Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, according to market reports, June is the peak month to buy and sell a house here in Pittsburgh. Maybe that's something you're considering, but the process can feel really overwhelming. How do you find an agent or a price range? How do disclosures work? Does a Pittsburgh potty actually count as a bathroom? And what the hell is hand money? I'm here with someone to demystify the entire home buying process. It's Monday, June 26th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with Jessica Baker. She's a Pittsburgh realtor. Jessica, thank you so much for doing this for us. You are so welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I know that summer is typically home buying season, like everywhere, but how does this year in Pittsburgh compare to others? Oh, that is a great question. So this year, um, if you haven't heard, is a little bit trickier than others past um, because interest rates are higher. So that's really causing a bit of an uproar for a lot of people. Yeah. We've yeah, we've seen a lot of people who have sort of left the market and just decided to rent for another year. I mean, we went from rates being like below 3% to now they're at like 6.8, you know? And Yeah, yeah. It's like the highest it's been since the early 2000s. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so we've just really been spoiled with such low interest rates. Uh, so it's really difficult. But, you know, when you think about that huge jump in rates, people's budgets have sort of been cut almost in half, you know, so that's a big problem and kind of causing people some consternation when they're thinking, do I really love this house this much? You know, <laughs> for this type of interest rate. How much does my love worth to me today? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> well, how does buying and selling in the Pittsburgh market compare to other cities? Because, you know, we hear how livable we are as a city, how our home prices are not as nuts as they are. There are places, but like, if you've checked Zillow at any point in the last four or five years, you know that the numbers are just astronomical. <laughs> Yeah, it's really insane. I mean, I I do always say, and this seems to kind of track, like even through um, the 2008 crisis, which I got into real estate in after that. So I got into real estate in 2011. But whenever that happened, we didn't have those high highs that a lot of, you know, surrounding markets did like New York and D.C., Um, And of course, you know, anything on the West Coast. So we remained kind of more steady. And I feel like that's sort of what happened to us here, like during the craziness of 2020, 2021, when Mm. prices, you know, you would hear people like, oh, my friend's cousin paid $150,000 more for a house in Washington, D.C. Like we didn't really have that. I mean, we did have it, but, you know, just on a smaller scale because we're Pittsburgh. Um, So I feel like... (laughs) We've seen like growth and we've seen insanity, but not in these markets that, you know, we sort of share on this side of the 
of the country, you know, like we're not like New York, we're not like DC. Um, we are a little bit more moderate, I think. Okay. Well, so break it down for us. If someone feels like they are ready to buy a home, what is the first step? And then steps two, three, four. Okay. So the first step is you call me and (laughs) (laughs) love Um, a sales pitch. Yeah. No. So, but really like the first thing is find an agent. So, you know, get an agent sort of, um, think about, you know, what's important to you in an agent. Are they similar to you? Are they familiar with, you know, the North, part of the city, the South part of the city, or, you know, what are the things that matter to you? And then I always tell people that Instagram is a really amazing way to find agents, um, you know, or Facebook. Uh, But I think that that's a really good way to see kind of like an agent's portfolio and their style and their personality. That's interesting. I feel like I look for like hairstylists on Instagram. It's not occurred to me to look for like a a real estate agent. Yeah, exactly. You can find out a lot, you know, and you can see if they post stuff just kind of about, you know, their day to day and, and get a sense of sort of their vibe or if they're just posting stuff that's like, you know, from their brokerage that all the agents post at the same time. You know, you can kind of see a little bit more of of them. I think you have an opportunity to. So it's a good place to find lots of different people. <laughs> yeah. Well, so how do you like how important are like vibes with realtors? Like, you know, I worked with someone once who put my info into a database, it made the recommendations and I just called her if I saw something I liked. Um, but I have friends that said that like their person was super proactive, they made recommendations, they introduced them to neighborhoods that weren't even on their list. Um, and they loved that style. Um, so like, I don't know, where, how do you how do you find the right one? I feel like, you know, I always start whenever I I have a new client meeting like you know let's say somebody finds you on Instagram and then we have a call I feel like you can tell a lot from that phone call you know from both sides right like I can tell a lot about what type of buyers they are if they're you know hesitant maybe they're not ready and they're really saying they want to do this now but maybe they should maybe think about it in a year or whatever oh my god that there's a level of therapy there that's involved I love it <laughs> yes yes we do always joke and say that like you put your therapist hat on sometimes you know Um, But yeah, so there is some of that. And then I think, you know, it goes both ways, right? So then the client can say like, oh, I really felt like I connected with her and, you know, or, oh, it didn't really seem to work. You know, we didn't really jive too well. So I think that that matters a lot because, you know, this is like the biggest purchase most people will make in their life. So, you know, you want somebody that you can trust, that you feel comfortable with going and kind of holding your hand, so to speak, through this. Yeah, Pittsburghers, I feel like are uniquely like lifers, you know, like we, we don't just make this big purchase like a lot. We make the big purchase once or twice. because We're very committed, (laughs) especially to like neighborhoods, right? So like, you know, do you find that a lot of people come into this and they're like, you know what, I want to live here and only here and you must help me find a spot here? Yes. Yes, I have that a lot. Um, So that does happen quite often. And I will tell you a lot of times people do not end up there, right? So they'll come in and they'll be like, I want to be here and this is it. And then you'll be like, well, you could get more house for your money if you looked here, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the interesting thing about Pittsburgh is, you know, sometimes people will come in like, I have to be in Mount Lebanon and then they end up with something in the North side. You know, it's just funny how, you know, you come in with these preconceived notions, but when you really, I think a lot of it is because it's where people are familiar with and where they're comfortable with, you know, where they grew up or where they always wanted to grow up, you know, when they were a kid. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, with like 90 neighborhoods in the city of Pittsburgh, I think being able to sort of have an open mind and explore, a lot of times you can really find, you know, more 
I don't know, a lot of times the scenario is you get more house for the money, right? If you kind of expand your search. So yeah. Is it true that you'll get more house for the money if you're willing to go to the suburbs? Or is that just an urban legend? Um, No, not necessarily, because the suburbs are sort of have exploded as well. You know? It, yeah. It's, yeah. So everywhere, everywhere is crazy right now. And in, you know, an interesting <laughs> way. <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I mean, I think a lot of what happens is we see people, people who live in the city, um, they either stay in the city and they're committed to it, or when they have kids, a lot of people move out of the city and they choose the suburban life. So, you know, things go in waves like that, right? So I feel like there's, and there's always going to be that, you know, people say, oh, I want more yard, or I want more space, or I need more bedrooms or whatever. And I want a certain school district. So we do see that, you know, every year. Um, but I think that, you know, I'm a city girl at heart and, um, I've always told people like, I'm going to be taken out of my house in a pine box. Like we're not moving. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you have a very nice house in Brighton Heights. I can see why you'd feel that way. (laughs) You worked hard for it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no, so it's not necessarily true. No, whenever, you know, you're looking for something and you're trying to save money and get more house, the suburbs is not necessarily the answer. I would say maybe, you know, a neighborhood in in the city that's not, hasn't blown up like a Lawrenceville type of thing. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. At what point in the process do people usually start talking about price range? Because I feel like a lot of us will pick a neighborhood before we talk about price. And then we're like, oh, oh, okay, not there then. (laughs) Yeah, 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 pretty much. It's like the order of operations is like find an agent and then get pre-approved. And within the getting pre-approved is like figure out your budget. Yeah, yeah. The pre-approval process is really like, it's humbling. You say, I think that I can handle this much money. And they're like, do you though? (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And so yeah, that's kind of that's number two. I always say that's sort of like your ticket to ride, you know, once you get that pre approval, then you're in good shape. But we say that early because there have been more than you know, on one occasion, people are like, I'm I can afford this. And then right, you find out you can't or I have to bring this much to close, you know, it's good to know that at the beginning. Yeah. Well, what would you say to someone who maybe thinks that I can do it on my own? I don't need an agent. Maybe I can save a little money. Yeah. So you know what the funny thing is that a lot of people don't know is when you buy in the state of PA, you don't actually pay the agent. 
you don't pay that commission. It's the seller that pays. So we hear about, you know, 6%, 7%. Um, it's the seller that pays that percentage. And then it gets split between the buyer's agency and then the seller's agency um, or the listing agent's brokerage. So when you're a buyer, you there's really relatively no cost to you. You do have to pay generally like a broker fee at closing that's like 500 bucks. But when you're a buyer, it's sort of like the odds are stacked in your favor. That is brand new information, Jessica. Thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> Um, well, so some of those sticky details that can come up when you are buying a house, you know, I feel like it's so often in like a disclosure or an inspection, um, and it can help to have somebody kind of navigate you through some of that. Um, but I want to talk about like, you know, that Pennsylvania specific detail. Are there weird things that come up specifically in like the Pittsburgh market or in Pennsylvania that other places just don't have to deal with? Um, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but the Pittsburgh potty is like, obviously first that comes to mind, you know? Do you get to actually count that as a bathroom or must it have like a sink or something by like law? This is a great question. Okay. And real estate agents are divided on it. I would much rather, like if it's just like a toilet in a room with a door, I do not list it when I list properties. I would much rather (laughs) people go downstairs and be like, oh, bonus. Right. And be pleasantly surprised rather than listed as a half bath. And people are looking on the first floor like, where's the half bath? Where's the half bath? You know, and then they go, oh, it's just a Pittsburgh party. It's just this gross thing in the basement. (laughs) Right. So it's all in how you present it, I think. Um, So if it has like a laundry sink right outside, you know, I think a lot of people are more apt to say like half bath. But I'm like kind of a stickler for it. And I've had people like sellers who are like, you need to list this. And I'm like, listen, just trust me. It's better if we don't. And then people will be happy when they come see it, you know? Yeah. I feel like um, I tried to make a little list for myself of like ones that like were new learnings for me when I was uh, like kind of coming into the Pittsburgh housing market. Um, One of them, for example, was mine subsidence insurance. Did not realize that that was a thing, but most of the city of Pittsburgh was built on what had been mines at various points. Yes. And you know, this is just a really funny story, but I had a house that um, my buyers were interested in buying and we asked the seller, like, is it public sewer? Or is it a septic tank? And they couldn't answer us. And we put a sewer camera down and we just determined um, that they were just dumping their sewage into a mine that was under the house. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Wow. You know, disclosures and inspections are, well, disclosures specifically are hilarious documents because it's kind of amazing how little some people know about the house that they've lived for two to 20 years, you know? And these people were like, we don't know. We've never had a problem. It just goes away. (laughs) <laughs> my people did not buy that house just fyi <laughs> oh my gosh uh, okay so another one i heard once that in pennsylvania uh, it's required to have a closet to call something a bedroom is that true so no that's not true in the like Pittsburgh no? market this is sort of like the wild west because um, <laughs> there have definitely been houses where it's like got a you know there's a room and it's perfectly sized for a bedroom and, mm-hmm. you know, I'll tell people, like, just leave a wardrobe here, you know, for the for the new buyers. I mean, in new construction, absolutely. But when these houses were built in, like, 1890, you know, 1910, like, they didn't prioritize that type of stuff. I mean, they did. They had a shifa robe, you know, and that, that was it. <laughs> so in the city, I feel like we're a little bit more like, that's, yeah, we'll still call that a bedroom. 
Okay. Uh, what about the homestead exemption? Um, because I feel like that's one specifically that people are like, wait, how does th- what is this? How does it work? Can you explain it to people? Yeah, the homestead exemption is amazing. So if it's your primary residence and you fill out this one little form once ever, um, you get $18,000 off of your taxes, off of your assessed value. So, you know, if you're assessed at $118,000 and you fill out the homestead exemption, they base your taxes actually on $100,000. And you can look this up on the county website too to see if you have it on your property or if you don't um, because it'll show a difference in the two values it'll show like oh you actually you know you have that on there but i think it covers almost all of allegheny county right yeah it's all of allegheny county Mm -hmm. okay cool what about hand money because that one was a brand new concept to me when i moved (laughs) to pittsburgh hand money so it's really funny because like people call it different things depending on where they are in the country so like hand money earnest money, good faith money. All of it means grease the wheels. Yeah, yeah. So what I always tell people is, so whenever you get an offer accepted on a house, the seller is taking their house off the market for you. That's their skin in the game. What's your skin in the game, right? Because if you don't have any, you could just be like, oh, never mind. I had a bad dream. I don't want to buy this house. So the hand money (laughs) sort of keeps you in the deal. So the other thing is the more hand money, the more serious you are as a buyer. So, you know, generally we say 1% of the purchase price. So a $300,000 house would have $3,000 in hand money. Uh, Although when things get competitive, I mean, I've seen a $300,000 house where people put $10,000 in hand money. And so hand money is not like a gift to the seller. It's just your money that goes into escrow and it hangs out there with everybody else's hand money, um, you know, at a brokerage. And then at closing, it comes off of your bottom line at the end of the day. So it still goes towards that purchase price, but it just shows that like, hey, I'm serious. Please take me seriously. Please consider my offer. Yes. And, you know, for example, like on the selling side, like if I have a listing and somebody comes in with a thousand dollars hand money and it's, you know, a three hundred fifty thousand dollar house, I would say, okay, and we're going to ask for an increase in hand money, you know, because at that point, like a thousand dollars you don't feel like that's necessarily enough to keep somebody in a deal through the end, right? What if they found a house that they liked better while they're under contract? They'd be like, ah, we lose a hundred grand, or sorry, we lose the grand and, you know, that's it. Oh, well, right? So that's why, you know, the more the better or the more, the more serious you appear to a seller. How much do you advise that people typically give or have on hand? I mean, it depends. Like if there are no other offers. If 1% is the bare minimum, yeah, like what's the smart amount? Well, if there are no other offers, I would try to get past, and it's my buyer with the 1%. But what, but what if you don't know if there's other offers? Well, normally you do know. Okay. So that's a good thing because they're always trying to get you to increase and do your highest and best offer, right? So normally you'll get some kind of notification of that. Highest and best offer is such a triggering phrase to me still. <laughs> I think for everybody it is. Yes. So if, if that's the case, then, you know, you have more than one offer. I would say whatever you're comfortable with. I say, you know, anywhere from five to 10 would be amazing type of thing. Yeah. Well, so let's zoom out just a little bit. Are there types of houses or even hot areas that are selling better right now here in Pittsburgh or should be? You can also go with an outside pick. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yes, there definitely are. I mean, there's all there are places that are always going to be hot. Like, you know, basically, I just kind of group all of the East End, like Squirrel Hill, Reason Square, Highland Park, like that whole in Lawrenceville, like the whole East kind of corridor is just just wild, right? Yeah. Where are the hidden gems, like the overlooked neighborhoods that you can still get a decent house in a 
in a good neighborhood? Well, yeah, that's a great question. So, okay, I would say, like, I'm partial to the North because I live in the North. So, like, I love Brighton Heights. I love Bellevue, Avalon. There's a lot of love for the North side in CityCast Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, Avalon, Emsworth, like, sort of that 65 corridor um, has not really totally blown up if you want to still be close to the city. Emsworth is so cute. I used to go on walks there during the pandemic. So cute. Oh, I just love it. I love it. And, you know, people really like it too because it's still Avonmore School District, which a lot of people think that's just Ben Avon. Um, and Ben Avon has sort of exploded, but you can still mm-hmm. get an Avonmore School District if you're in Emsworth. And lots of mature trees. I learned that that is my catnip, mature oh, trees. Tell me about it. It's <laughs> such a dream. And I know you took on a massive home renovation yourself. We'll link those social handles so people can look at it. Um, But do you think that people should be worried at all about how old our houses are here in Pittsburgh? Because it can be daunting. No, I mean, so my house was built in 1892-ish. And we took our house down to the studs, you know, so I kind of was a big part of that process of like putting it all back together. And so I think, you know, seeing the age of housing stock here, it's just the only thing is when people come from other markets that are not used to this, it's a little bit scary. But for the most part, I feel like, you know, we work through stuff with your home inspector and, you know, contractors here kind of know what they're dealing with. Sure, you know, could you open something up and and get into more than you were expecting? Yes, absolutely. But we try to do everything (laughs) we can throughout the process to prevent that from happening, you know, to keep people informed about what the actual condition is of the house. But no, I mean, I think the other thing that's unique that I don't know that we all realize is how much like brick we have here. Like if you go elsewhere, like um, my husband's from the Midwest. So like if you go out there or if my in-laws come back here, they're always like, just all these houses are made of bricks. It's unbelievable, you know? And so I think that like, there's a lot of stuff that we take for granted that, you know, were really good building materials back in, you know, early 1900s when these houses were built that are just, they've really done a great job withstanding the test of time. And I guess just really briefly, do you have any overall advice maybe for buyers or sellers who are trying to decide, am I ready? Is this a good time? Yes. So I think that one of my big pieces of advice, and especially that I tell my buyers, is if you are looking and you are just going after the stuff that's totally done and totally turnkey, everybody is looking for that too. Like everybody (laughs) wants everything to just be done. If you are willing to tackle an ugly bathroom or, you know, paint kitchen cabinets yourself, there are a lot of ways that like you can snag a house that maybe, you know, isn't cosmetically totally updated and redone, but you can definitely get uh, more often than not a better price. And then, you know, either do the work over time or do the work yourselves. And, you know, I'm a big fan of like, a bathroom refresh light. You know, you, you can definitely redo aspects of a bathroom for under a thousand dollars. You don't have to spend 15 grand and rip everything out. I'm going to try to take that last statement to heart. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Baker is a Pittsburgh realtor. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. You're so welcome. This has been so great. A little more news before you go. 
Pennsylvania is considering a trio of bills to expand its medical cannabis program. One would make it available for any doctor to prescribe for any condition. Another would drop annual medical card renewals and allow for edibles. And the third would let growers sell directly to patients farm to table style. It passed the Senate committee with bipartisan support, but now needs the full Senate approval, which is controlled by Republicans. If that's successful, it'll head to the Democratic-led House. Governor Josh Shapiro told the AP that he's in favor of it. And did you know that Pittsburgh is the only city in the U.S. where every professional sports team shares the same color palette? The Pirates are paying homage to our past and present with a new set of black and gold uniforms. The style is by Nike, and it's super detailed. There's yellow fabric, and inside it you can see like an inverted Y. They say that's for our three rivers. An asteroid, which is actually a steel mark, like what you'd see in the Steelers logo. And a check, which the designers say is a play on our city seal. I gotta be honest, I don't see that one, but I like the spirit of it. There's also this great hokey video narrated by Wiz Khalifa celebrating it all. The mills may be gone, but we still standing. Creating, innovating, but with the same old work ethic. Maybe it's in the water of those three rivers, or maybe it's the DNA of the city, of the people, of the colors. It's in our veins. We bleed black and gold. Behold, the new steel. <laughs> it's so corny. The Buckos are unveiling the new uniforms at home tomorrow at 7 o'clock, and you can look for the City Connect block party before the game on Federal Street starting at 4.30. There'll be a DJ, food, games, and the players themselves. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please tell a friend, give us a rating, a nice review, and make sure you're subscribed to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Black and green, I think, is my favorite of the old school bathrooms. Like black and green in the same room? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> the Pepto-Bismol pink I've seen a lot with like maroon. Um, mustard is really common. You know, that was just like they everybody redid that. That's what someday we'll all look back and be like, white kitchens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I ever needed like rust orange tile in a bathroom. Like, what are people thinking? Well, you know what? Somebody asked me this once and they're like, why do you think Pittsburghers paint their houses such bright colors inside? And I was like, maybe because we have so many gray days. You know what? That's wise. <laughs>